Hey. Hello, Luke. Should I turn off my video? Uh, no, no, you don't have to. I like to stare at you longingly. Um, so, I've lost weight. Have you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I have, for the record, lost weight. I don't know. You still look like Mr. Potato Head to me. That's fair. That's no, fair. no, no, Mr. Peanut. Mr. <laughs> Peanut is true. Carrie's head. Heads do look like peanuts. Yeah, so, man, uh, I got a million things to talk about. How about you? I've got a few things. You got a few things? Yeah. Okay, well, why don't you start? Sure. And and, uh, and we'll go from there. All right, well, uh, we'll keep this brief, very, very, very brief, but I'm very happy to be back. Uh, I I really want to take this time just to thank you all for the prayers and your support during the past uh, couple of months. It's been a very, very uh, rough, rough time here. I cannot go into any of the specifics. Uh, perhaps just out of respect for uh, what's what's going on, but uh, per, perhaps one day. But I can't. Um, but I just want to thank you guys for your prayers. I want to thank you for uh, just the love that people on Patreon, patreoncom slash, uh, slash CF. A little rusty there. A little rusty. A little rusty. A little rusty. A little little stuttering rusty over here. Um, just no, but uh, honestly though, I'm uh, on the on the Patreon, on the Discord, uh, texts I've gotten from from people, um, emails. I just really genuinely, genuinely do appreciate it. Uh, but I'm back, and I am very very happy to be here. Heavy heart, but uh, it's you know it is um, our faith is that that involves a cross and uh, um, Christ transforms all things in and unto um, himself and I'm just very I'm grateful to be here I'm happy to be back talking to my bet to my best bud yeah Gomer uh, others tried but they all they all <laughs> failed <laughs> often imitated never duplicated yeah Gomer tried to, tried to replace me with Scott Hahn it's fine I'm not angry Mr. Gormley how are you how where's that little fat kid you used to hang out with <laughs> Where's that guy? His head looked like Mr. Peanut. Where I, is he? I met him once with Mike. He seemed like a good guy. <laughs> oh, you know, um, me and my wife do this thing um, called Sexy Staycation. Heard of it. Uh, so we did it in 2019. It was I was convicted, convicted, Luke, from a Protestant pastor, uh, Andy Stanley, that I ought to go on dates with my wife. Because I don't know if you know this, Luke, but... Uh, I'm not as romantic as I think I am in my head. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna go, uh, Luke. I don't know if if you know this, but Shannon likes to be wooed. Shannon, it turns out, she likes to feel, and I'm using air quotes, special. So uh, <laughs> it turns out, and uh, I like, I feel special that a like that she's just there. You know, yeah. like I I'm, like, I'm, I'm a, no effort and her doing my laundry. <laughs> I've done laundry once in 13 years of marriage. Um, <laughs> 13 years. Wow. 13 years. Yeah. Has it been that long? My yeah, gosh. I think so. I don't know. They all kind of blend. But uh, no. But um, <laughs> so this guy said, uh, take your wife out on, on, on dates and try to go on vacation. So three years later, here you are. So so 10 years <laughs> after hearing that. No, so in 2019, we did Sexy Staycation 2019. Heard of it. I think we even did an episode about that where a coworker worked for this really cool really cool hotel and uh, or her husband did. And so they, for 50 bucks, we got like this sick corner room and oh, 
Kentucky. It was awesome. It was awesome. And then we just did stuff. Then we went downtown and stayed in the hotel that me and you stayed in at when, when Catching Foxes did the young adult thing and our table was set up <laughs> next to Father Mike Schmitz and everyone ignored us. <laughs> and he bent to tie his shoe in a line 50 people yeah, before. Literally, this is what happened, people. He literally, he's talk, someone grabs him. He's chit-chatting with us. He turns around. Someone's chit-chatting with him. He bends down to tie his shoe. And then people think that's where the line forms to talk to Father Mike Schmitz. It was Perfect. It was perfect. So, um, well, that hotel with the Texas-shaped Lazy River, I took Shannon to, uh, went out with the Jaegers for dinner. It was like a lot of fun. We did a lot of fun oh, stuff. Beautiful. Then the next year, we went to New York City in January of 2020. Turns out, not a good time to be in New York City, I would discover from a global pandemic. So, um, that was the last time we did anything like that. We tried last year. It blew up in my face. Totally my fault. I don't want to get into that. But this year. I don't want to hear it. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. But this year, uh, good old uh, Dr. Scott Hahn and Dr. John Bergsma are coming to town. And I booked tickets to hear me and my wife. (laughs) Book tickets to go. We're going to go to the event. This is the most you think ever. I know. Well, so she had listened. She has never taken a class with Dr. <laughs> Listen, honey, for our sexy staycation, we're going to attend a day of lectures with Dr. Hahn. Holy shit, that is me. I didn't even realize it. Poor Shannon. <laughs> when you hold it up to a mirror like that, Luke, I do look pretty bad. <laughs> Like, <laughs> oh gosh! Oh man, my stomach is hurting Shannon, now. You know how you like going to Miley Cyrus stuff and uh, pre twerking and uh, <laughs> and other girly things. Yeah. <laughs> Not today. Turns out, turns Don't out, you like an academic symposium with like, professors <laughs> from college, <laughs> from Gomer's favorite professors. <laughs> oh, 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 Lord! I didn't even think of that until now. So you the reason why Brian Jones, do you? <laughs> Brian Jones. Uh. (laughs) Welcome back to Catching Foxes, everyone. (laughs) Hooray! (laughs) Everyone under the bus, including (laughs) each other. Um, No, but... (laughs) No, but... (laughs) Ouch, my back. So what happened was, we were... She had never heard a lecture from him, so we were talking about Mary one night. (laughs) What a loser! I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not realizing how this sounds until you make a comment that I'm like... Hot damn. Okay. I totally do. T- oh, man. So we watch a st- <laughs> one of his no Hail Holy Queen. Well. <laughs> we watch one of these Hail Holy Queen things. And she's like, oh, my goodness. That was one of the most amazing things I've ever heard. And I'm like, right? Right? Like, now you see. And she's like, well, let's watch another one. And we watch another one. She's like, oh, my goodness. That was incredible. What's as good as the first? And I'm like, it's never as good as your first time. And we <laughs> laughed and laughed and laughed and touched each other. But, um, <laughs> The the whole, <laughs> the whole idea Have was you missed us internet. Have you missed yeah. us? <laughs> the whole idea was I was like we need like let we, we're doing you know our spiritual lives are going well. Uh, the Hallow app has helped. Nice. It, it provides scaffolding for my bride. There you go. I'm loving the Saint Gregory prayer book. That's like my jam now. Excellent. I did the the Word on Fire liturgy of the hours. I absolutely loved it. But my rule was. If I miss like five days in a row, I had to cancel the subscription. Then my wife quit her job and I just canceled the subscription anyway because like there's no money. So I get hence, hence catching foxes. Um, but Patreon.com slash GF, please, everyone. Oh gosh. Yeah, dear God, dear God. Buy merch. It may or may not be on sale. Uh, <laughs> 
to be determined when we get an email or a call back from our merch people. Um, no, but so <laughs> so I bought these tickets, and she was like, yeah, that would be cool. Let's go to a talk with them. That would be great. You know, and I'm like, okay, so they're doing this thing, Eucharistic Revival, blah, blah, blah. Let's do it. Bought tickets. Literally two days later, the Cardinal uh, for the Archdiocese is like, hey, I'm going to come out on December 10th in order to consecrate the altar at your church and consecrate the church and celebrate Mass. And so we just built this new chapel thing, and that's the day of the talks. So I, for the last, like, I don't know, two months, I'm like, should I not do Sexy Staycation 2022, or should we do it? And I was like, you know what? No. I need to put my wife first because I never do. And so we're going to do this, and I screwed up last year. So we're doing it and doing it well. We're going to get an Airbnb. We're going to go to the conference. We're going to hang out and have overly expensive food and all the fun stuff you do. Excellent. Yes, but uh, then she is going to listen to eight hours of lectures with Dr. Hahn and Dr. Bergsman. <laughs> and I, I will be giggling. <laughs> like a little girl. <laughs> I once read a gamer talking about what it was like when his girlfriend said, can we play games? Like, can, can you show me how to play this game? And he's like, you, you want to play a game with me? Oh, no, it was his wife. And she was like, uh, sure. And he's like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? And he's like... <laughs> Go ahead. He like, I mean, like he's so excited. He's like a little kid on Christmas, and <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's funny. That's exactly what I'm like with my wife and Scott Hunt. Is that weird? That's not weird. No, no, no you're fine. weird. It's fine. Um, have you been watching the the World Cup at all? So, Luke, I have to tell you, you didn't watch a thing. Editing the Total Soccer Show mm-hmm. and what freaking pros those guys were. Right, so good. I have. It, 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 I've watched. I've I've watched every USA game. Mm-hmm. Now I can't say that I watched all of every USA game because hot damn, I'm still learning how to not be bored to tears with it. But it, it's it's been a blast, and my son Noah loves it. So good, good. good. Did you see that they took it to England for the whole game, basically oh. making my prediction right? Yes, and I yep. was thinking about that the whole time. Yep. That was awesome. Yep. Who called it? Everyone. You I mean, did. I said ten minutes of good play, but they they. Tell you what, man, I was dead inside when they didn't. I was watching it at Christina's with uh, her and Mark and and um, uh, and my nephew Jude. And um, when they scored that goal early, I was like, "Oh no!" Because like one thing I've learned by listening to the Total Up Soccer Show, and this is just basic, like how to kind of uh, really see what's happening in the game is to not watch where the ball is, watch what the players are doing, particularly, yeah. particularly the the midfield when it comes to international soccer. And I was like, oh, no one in the midfield picked him up. Oh, my gosh, they're gassed. <laughs> and I was like, they are just gassed. They're totally spent. And that was, I'd say, our, there are two things that were our Achilles heel during this World Cup. One is we, don't, we do not have in, uh, really, um, it's, I'm nothing against the guys who played that position. They're phenomenal athletes, and they seem like they're really good guys. It's something that I, I loved about this team. They just seem like they're just wonderful human beings. Uh, but we just don't have in number nine. We don't have a very good good striker on top. We just could not complete in the final um, third of the attacking half. And uh, it and then the like the drop off from our top guys to the guys um, after them are, it's just gigantic. So the the top guys were playing a lot of soccer over a short amount of time, and you could just tell they were gassed. And so mm. uh, that game was just you know they they had a chance, but there was just. And they, t- I would say they, they did a, I mean, in a bubble, 
in a bubble. Uh, not true at all. In the grander scheme of things, I think this World Cup will be a very highly regarded for how the United States played, not necessarily the results, although I think the results will be held in somewhat high esteem, but how they played, this is probably the best with regards to the type of soccer that they have played ever. So I think that goes a long way, and I think that the future is very bright. I think everyone who's acting like they're going to get to the finals or to the semifinals in 2026 is delusional. I think a very good performance in 2026 will be getting out of this state and getting to the what's called the quarterfinals and doing it definitively against high opposition. That'll be um, if they can take it. If they can win a game in the knockout round and go deep with high op- against high opposition, that's uh, that's the bar for me. That's kind of a well. That's that's uh, that's that'll be a very high a high. A, a high achievement overall. I'm very happy. I'm with it. It was very, very, very fun. I'm going to, I have all the games recorded. I will be watching them probably again and again and then again and again and again and again. <laughs> Until so, we're all dead. Yeah. It's hard to watch stuff and like, especially when you're so emotional like me, um, you just, it's just pure emotion. And so like, you, you kind of like miss what's actually happening at, at times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to go back to it. And I also you watched wa- it emotionally. Now you need to watch it rationally. Yeah, which is still difficult. Um, but I did lose $23 begging that the U.S. was going to uh, beat the Netherlands in uh, um, game and within 90 minutes. And that did not happen. So I lost that. But I'm um, hoping to break even. And what was the score of the old Netherlands game? 3-1. to one. Before we go into the show, let's take a moment to talk about our one and only sponsor for today, the Lion and Lamb Book Club. Now, this is awesome. I have two of their boxes sitting here. This is one of those subscription boxes, but it is for Catholic children. The Lion and Lamb Book Club is a Catholic children's book club that helps families to pass down the faith through character-forming bedtime stories. Each quarter, we'll send club members boxes that contain three to five books, age-appropriate and seasonally relevant, world-class stories, which I can vouch for all of that. These boxes will also contain swag, stickers, and a letter to parents on how to actually use these books to live out things like the liturgical calendar, their Catholic faith, whatever, and great conversation starters. You ever have a kid that you're bringing home from faith formation? What'd you talk about? Nothing. How'd you like it? It's fine. Now, this one is excellent. Now, when our Lion and Lamb Book Club box came so that we could do the sample for this whole, uh, for this ad read, it was so funny because my kids tore it open. I think I got Luke's too, so I got two of them, which thank God, because the kids ripped the boxes open. We already own two out of the four books that they sent, which means they're picking good stuff because I obsess over this. But it was awesome. They, My kids read all four books all in one sitting. I mean, like they just grabbed them, went through them all, and all the stickers are gone. I was able to get one sticker with the lamb on it, and I put that over my Apple logo on my keyboard or my uh, laptop. It's that good. So you get three to five books, a personalized note, conversation starters, and wonderful, joyful surprises. Now listen, these are timeless literary classics, undiscovered treasures, and new Catholic releases that they ensure each selection supports your efforts to raise saints in the making. While not every book is about a Catholic saint or something like that, each book's themes are guaranteed to support our Catholic Christian worldview. And let's be honest, nothing is more exciting for a kid to get a gift in the mail, especially it's from grandma or godparent or another influential Catholic person in their life. So if you got a uh, God kid, and I have 10 trillion of them, uh, I'm the Wilt Chamberlain of Godfathers. If you have, and you're trying to figure out what the heck to get these kids, and and they're young kids, right? Lion and Lamb Book Club. Three to five classic books, stickers, and other joyful surprises. 
Every quarter, it's awesome. Check them out. Head on over to lionandlamb.club. That's the shortest link, or you can head on over to the wonderful website, catholic.store, and then you can check out their products, and you'll see the Lion and Lamb book club all over the website, because this is an exciting new product for the catholic.store. Thank you to Lion and Lamb Club and catholic.store for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. So yeah, the Total Soccer Show was such a great episode. It's episode uh, that was fun three sixty one. We recorded on November third or September third, and I aired it on November twentieth, the day the World Cup began, because I straight up forgot. I had thought I had already played it. Straight up forgot. <laughs> I remember like, hey, so is that, remember those nice people who came and spoke with us for an hour? Yeah, they were <laughs> nice. They were pretty. Um, yeah, but they did a great job. And one of the things that I kept telling people was. Listen, even if you know nothing about soccer, you'll still want to listen because I make an ass of myself. And uh, I learned a lot. And it was awesome. I love those guys. They did an excellent job. And then um, the last episode was another episode that you and I um, recorded Mm -hmm. way back when on my wife's birthday, 925, um, the vestibule of heaven. And I have gotten a ton of personal feedback from people. Oh, good. Yeah, it has been good. like this one person who sort of doesn't like catching foxes but dips in from time to time is like, <laughs> I think this is almost one of the most important episodes I've ever heard. So, Really? Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that was. I remember when we were recording that, just trying to get out of the way and just trying to let them um, let them tell their, their story because it's powerful. It's it is. It's really powerful. Like I, It's one of my favorite episodes to record because they're just one, just such great people, but then to hear their story and to, just to really feel um, – there was a lot of beauty there, a lot of pain, a lot of tragedy, obviously, but also like how God can work through that. It's pretty powerful. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. And I was nervous because, you know, a lot of times when you record with people who don't do podcasting, it's hard to capture the essence of a story when they're trying to give you the facts and mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. the things. Because so many parts of their story like connect and collide and impact their lives. You know, you're doing the standard thing where, or they were doing the same thing where it's like, Oh, wait, wait, wait. I forgot this part. I left out this part. And I was like, oh, no. When I sit down to edit this, it's going to take forever because, you know, we're going to miss things. And I got to make sure that the narrative is coherent for our listeners. And I I ended up listening. I made a ton of edits, but mostly it was just removing silences and stuff like that. When I actually sat down and plowed through the episode, I was like, they do an outstanding job. I just need to keep all of it. And so that's why the episode was over two and a half hours long because they killed it. And I even – I bounced it slight. I, I sped it up 3%. It's fine. No one notices. <laughs> but I was like I had to get it under just for the megabit. <laughs> the size of the file wouldn't upload. So um, – but, man, they did such a good job connecting and translating all this stuff like what they were going through. And it just – you know, it's, it's episodes like that is why I feel like we do Catching Foxes. I agree. Yeah, I agree whole wholeheartedly. Uh, uh, what a gift to be able to just share. I honestly, I remember when I was talking with them, just hearing his story. I was like, "Oh, we got to get this on there. Like, this is why we exist is to share stories like like this. This is, su- this is super important. Super important to people." I remember when when he was just kind of telling me his story at first before we we were recording. I was like, "We just we got to People have got to hear this." So yeah, good, nice, nice. Um, I don't have any topics. Do you have topics? You know, I haven't talked about my trip to Jerusalem. Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't talked about it. We're keeping it on the old back burner. Um, yeah, we haven't. Yeah, me and Brian Jones, the episode that I did with him on November 6th, 
uh, I kept, I, it was right before I left because it was recorded on October 18th, mm-hmm. literally the day before I left for the Holy Land. And um, I was like, no, we'll record it and I'll keep this episode and I'll edit it in the Holy Land. So I took all of my, like, my laptop, all the stuff. <laughs> and when I was in the Holy Land, I was like, there's no way. There's yeah. no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, I had a joke and I forgot it, so keep going. Oh, I just want to say, everyone, uh, before we start, don't worry. We're done with the three-hour podcast on liturgy, so I've come to save you. Proceed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That podcast was awesome. Sure. I was actually, it was in the car today, and I was listening to the, uh, I've, um, I promise we'll get to the Holy Land eventually, probably like episode, like like four episodes from now, but <laughs> I found some podcasts um, for, uh, it was from Father Harris who indirectly turned me on to it, but it's called. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry, Father Harrison. Oh, gosh, I called Father Harrison on the phone. I spoke to him. I'm the worst. <laughs> I'm the worst friend ever. Uh, it's called The Sacred and the Profane or something. I don't know. Are you freaking kidding me? It's with that one um, lady who's uh, a philosopher. That one, you mean the most important woman who is currently alive, Dr. Jennifer Frey? Yes. It's, have we talked about her before? No, I, I tried to get her on the show. She said yes, but she's going to be teaching in Europe for a short time. Oh, my goodness. I am in love. In it's love great. with a capital L-O-V-E, it's Dr. Great. Jennifer Frey. It's great. It's super, super What episodes good. have you listened to? I listened to one on uh, Kentacle for Halibowitz. Oh, yeah. That'll get you. It was really good. That was, and, a, was that with the one with her husband? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. Oh. just like so mean to woman time. It's, it's so true. awesome. It's I so love funny. her. I was like, that's definitely like you're like, you're super comfortable to be like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> it wasn't very like nice. She was just like cut him off a lot. Yeah. I was like, that that makes sense. Um, Dude, she's a badass. Though. But she she's was, a badass. Yeah, no, I actually thought it'd be it would, like this is a person that we should have on the show at, at some point in time. So I I approve that idea. Um, she, I mean, she, it was a very nice interview with her husband. It was just funny because you could just tell, like, I was like, oh yeah, she doesn't, she's just like, she doesn't care. This is great. Um, and I was, I'm, I'm thinking about like, how would you make a movie out of a canticle for Leibowitz? And I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with this idea that, uh, I think movies are way too dark now. Um, yeah. they've, I mean, the Godfather is one of the, one of my, um, one of the best films of all, of all time. And it's. This is not because of Godfather. I think the Godfather uses a lot of shadow and a lot of darkness, but like yeah. the actual on filter or tone of films in terms of the picture is now just insanely dark. And I was like, what if you did Canticle for Leibowitz, but it was really light and very bright? Because a lot of it, especially in the beginning, is out in the in desert. The desert. It's out. It's outside. It is you know in the sun. There's a lot that you could do with that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's such an important story, man. It's such an important story. Like. Oh, I was, they were they were talking a bit about the one quote in there about how um, the political order is good when it is well ordered. I'm going to butcher this part, but but this is the podcast, so here we go. Um, and how when it's in its proper place, it is a good thing. When it understands that its place is to just be a caretaker for the order of, um, of society or whatever, like that's good. But what happens when that's like all that you have? And that's the end all and, and the be all. And it doesn't have its proper place. It just leads to de- to destruction because all that there is left to do is just to manage pain and suffering. And you can never, uh, you know, of course, we want to bring about, you want to bring about like healing and you want to end suffering. That's, that's not a bad thing. That's good. But you'll never be able to eradicate it. So because um, it's just it's always going to be there. 
And so, uh, yeah, it was just a really, really good podcast episode. Uh, probably not in the show notes. Go find everyone. You guys, it's called, it's, uh, called Google. You know how to use it. <laughs> so. But, no, I am a mega fan of Dr. Jennifer Frey. She is incredible. She's at the University of South Carolina. And she recently was the head of, um, oh, gosh, what is it, the Templeton Foundation, I think. And that's who funded the podcast for a long time. Oh, it was cool. like a multi-million dollar project, and she was the chair of it. And, and so I'm talking to <laughs> I'm talking to Brian Jones, and I'm like, have you ever heard – and this is like months. This might have been two years ago. I'm like, have you ever heard of Dr. Jennifer Frey? And he goes, oh, uh, associate professor of philosophy at uh, – University of South Carolina. And I just looked at him and I was like, who do you think you are? And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I was like, screw you, man. He's like, what, what, what are you talking about? And I was like, the fact that that just was a thing that you knew. You just knew. <laughs> you, just knew. <laughs> you knew her CV. He's like, no, I'm a fan of hers. I, I think she's great. And he's like, and we talked at a conference once together and she went on right, right after me and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, but then she was also on... Um, Oh gosh, Fountains of Carrots podcast, and they oh, did. Nice. Um, yeah, she did a whole deep dive into uh, Elizabeth Anscombe, who's a philosophy professor that is very important to people like Alistair McIntyre and whatnot because she was just a baller. Her and Doctor Peter Geach, her husband, and I, I just freaking loved. I had no idea all this stuff about Anscombe, and she just went through it, and uh, it's, it's she's just hilarious. And I was like. Everyone needs to hear this story from Dr. Jennifer Frey on Catching Foxes. Like, it would be awesome. So, anywho. I, I, cool. And she's like a fellow with the Word on Fire people. She did um, the – oh, not uh, – what is it? Oh, she did a study on virtue ethics and what is happiness for the mm. Institute members. And she just nailed it. Nailed it. Is it still cool to like them? Yes. We're still on fire. cool. We're fine. Okay. Yeah. We're good. No. We're good. I don't know. <laughs> All right, can we take a quick break? Yeah, I'll take this time to tell everyone about patreon.com slash CF. Hey, friends, if you're a big, I'm a fan of of um, our podcast, if we've impacted your life, if you want to find a way to, to if you want to, uh, if you think that what we're doing is important and you want to really say, hey, this needs to be out in the world and I want to find a way to be involved. A great way to do that is to support our work over at patreon.com slash CF. That is patreon.com slash slash CF over at patreon.com slash CF. You will have a link to our excellent discord community, which is just fantastic. We actually did a great chat in there. Uh, speaking of clerically speaking with, um, uh, we actually had like father, I had a father, um, Anthony on there. We had a really good chat about, uh, is it okay to give new converts a platform? Very interesting chat. I did a um, YouTube thing for Patreon only where we talked about the U.S. men's national team and my thoughts on them before the England game. We have a lot of really fun chats. Are you still here or are you like waiting for me? Are you gone? Okay, good. He's gone. All right. So uh, I felt bad if he was still going to be staying. Anyways, uh, we just have a lot of fun chats uh, on there. Gomer will put some fun things on there in terms of things that um, he writes or other different kinds of different kinds of reflections, or perhaps a bit more on the instructiony slash reflective part. Uh, a lot of good fun stuff there, and you'll get a sticker that'll. 
probably never come. So uh, uh, head on over if you want to be a part of what we are doing. Go to www.patreon.com slash slash CF and choose a support level to your liking. Uh, it's fun. It's awesome. It's a great, wonderful community of people, and we would love to have you be be a be a part of it and a part of what we are doing over at patreon.com slash cf. One more time for the kids in the back, patreon.com slash cf. I love I, Patreon. Am I breathing too loud into the microphone? No. Can I tell you about – no, I literally just walked in. Very weird. Um, can I tell you about Discord? Did you talk about the Discord? A bit, but if, if uh, you want to go ahead. So uh, I interviewed Rebecca and JC, and -hmm. we talked a lot about the stuff, and I told them how confused I am from the Discord because I'm an old man who yells at clouds. And um, Jose, one of the big longtime fans of the show, longtime listener and supporter, he wrote on one of our things where I I said something about Patreon or uh, Discord. He's like, yeah, I'm too much of an old man to get into Discord. But I'll tell you, they said one of the best things. They're like, just go in and look at one of the channels. That interests you because they have created and curated so many good channels on our Discord server. It is, number one, the channels themselves are hysterical. Mm -hmm. Like, they are are. all inside jokes. If you like the podcast, even remotely, you will love this stuff. Then there are people who are there. Some people are casual listeners of Catching Foxes. Some people are like diehards and everything in between. And it's just like Catholic Twitter, but nice. Because it's on our server and you can get banned and, and we're, we're angry about that stuff. But, like, it's, like, all the funny memes, like, the stuff that has been making fun of me from Brother Ass, whatever his name, Frater Asinus oh, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Shit, that guy is hilarious. He's so, got my number. I don't so know who funny. he is, but I don't want him to stop even though he hurts my feelings every time. Hilarious. And so they post all sorts of stuff in there, and it is awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I was so bummed that they did a thing on me. Um, I think I talked about this, about this before. On me without you, but how to, how to console the like, um, like the grown up emo in your life or, or, or something. And they were gonna, and they like almost had a quote that said, inconsolable, almost weeping, dash Luke Carey. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's true. So you it's sent true. me a, a screenshot from his Twitter account with after, after virtue from Alistair McIntyre. And I immediately ran into Brian Jones's office, who works across the hall from me. And I'm like, Brian, look, it's after After Virtue. Uh, and I read the thing, and he goes, I don't get that dolphin quote. Because it's like, in the next book, we'll have more dolphins or something like that. And I said, because in his last book of the kind of like the After Virtue, what do you call it when there's four? Quatrilogy? What do you call that? I have no idea. Oh, man, the Aliens movie. That's what they called it. Anywho, the fourth book in the series uh, had a lot to talk about the practical rationality of dolphins, and that's why it's so funny. So I'm a big Alistair McIntyre fan. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, brother ass, you have my number. You and Rod Dreher. <laughs> Although Rod Dreher confronted Alistair McIntyre, not confronted him, but like talked with him at a conference and he's because like, he like savaged him. And he was like, have you ever read my book? And he was like, I have not. <laughs> so I was like, to quit yelling at me. Ah! Wait, who was I'm yelling at who? I was trying to put stuff into the show. Uh, Rod Dreher asked Alistair McIntyre if he's ever read his book. And he was like, no. 
And he was like, what? And apparently someone who's at the conference was like, no, all I'm trying to – I'm like in agreement with you. I'm just trying to illustrate what this looks like on a practical level. He said he didn't say a word. He just stared at him, which is apparently uh, the somewhat dickish behavior of the man I love, Alistair McIntyre. <laughs> That's amazing. Somewhat dickish behavior of the man I love. <laughs> somewhat dickish behavior of the man I love. The Michael Gormley story. <laughs> <laughs> So, Luke, I, I have a confession to make. All right. Tell I'm me. the second glass in of uh, cranberry vodka. Oh, gosh. Here we go. No, my wife bought it. Hey, you know what? It was, we had a Christmas party, an Advent party. Excuse me. I'm liturgical. And uh, I looked at the label as I poured almost the entire glass of the cranberry vodka, and it said 70, 70, 70% alcohol by volume, 7-0. Whoa. I think that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why 70? I reread the label that's after like, I made my glass, and it said, "Add a splash to your favorite club soda." Oh, and you've just been like pounding the whole thing. Not the whole thing. I filled half of it up with Topo Chico, like a gentleman. But now I realize, oh damn, I'm in a different place right now. <laughs> so does that mean you want to come back, or you just going to see what happens? <laughs> see what happens. See what happens. Let's talk about the Holy Land. Let's do this. All right, so. You got diarrhea. (laughs) (laughs) You drank the water. You you son of a bitch. No, so I didn't. I I wanted to go to the Holy Land. I didn't want to go to the Holy Land because it is really hard for me to leave my family for twelve days. Mm -hmm. Right. Just the just the thought of that. I'm like, if I'm not making money and I'm leaving for twelve days. But this is what I realized was they are hiring me to go. I'm not making money, but they're paying for the trip and. The mucks are the most wonderful people on the face of the earth for doing that for me. And on top of it all, Joey and Angie are going to be there. I've talked about Joey and Angie. Uh, I think we agreed it was like every four episodes on average. I mentioned Joey or Angie or Joey and Angie. And I knew they were going to be there, so that was going to be fine. And Father David Huss was going to be there, so okay, great. And I'm there as like Father David Huss is the priest guide. I'm there as like the nerd intellectual spiritual guide kind of. And mm-hmm. so I just sat up in the front of the bus, bus, and our tour guide was amazing. He was amazing, Luke. He was a devout Roman Catholic, an Israeli Arab. His family lives in Nazareth. He has all this stuff written into his bones. And he's mm-hmm. a devout Roman Catholic. He's not just some tour guide. Mm-hmm. And so he was perfect. And uh, Jarius, he was perfect. And he would uh, like quote Bible verses off the top and say, oh, yeah, this is like we're Luke chapter 7, verses 4 through 12, right? And everyone's like. Huh? <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, yes, go on with my Bible open. <laughs> I can just see it. Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, you're like a you're like an Israeli air version of Scott Hahn. Please don't stop, sir. Please. Yeah, but um, and it was funny because you know you you can so but here's the deal with uh, let me, let me put this in perspective. You land in Tel Aviv. You should always go with a group. They they get you through the airport security in like two minutes flat. It's incredible. You get out, you get on a bus. The bus is air-conditioned. The bus has USB ports for your phone. The bus itself has Wi-Fi, so you never need to pay for Wi-Fi stuff if you don't want to. You're going from nice hotel to bus to nice hotel. But that is where the shenanigans begins because when you go to the Holy Land, you are going to see every single thing that you can possibly see. It is a sprint that lasts as long as wow. a marathon. It is a series mm-hmm. of marathon sprints, basically. Yeah. And so we landed in Tel Aviv. We get to our, our hotel. 
at, you know, late at night, you know, basically 24 hours in the air. And then we get going. And oh my goodness, Luke, we're in Galilee. We're thing after thing, church after church, boom, 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 boom. And you go through all this stuff and you're like, here I am at Mount Carmel where Elijah, you know, slit the throats of the prophets of Baal. Awesome. Where the Carmelites were founded, got some mm-hmm. scapulars for my family, like all yes. that cool stuff. Awesome. But then you're like hitting so many sites I don't even remember. And I'm having to like enter it into my day one journaling app on my phone. I'm like, Okay, now we're here. I took a photo. I would have to take a photo of every place just so the it would geotag the information, you know, like slap a GPS code onto the photo so mm-hmm. that I would remember where the hell I was. Because yeah. that, like, you're just going. And I've never been a part of anything like that. Like, when we mm-hmm. were in Austria with Franciscan, you go to a city, you have, like, ten, you know, maybe five things that you see, but you're just walking, right? Like, they drop mm-hmm. you off. You yeah. walk around from place. This, it's like, get off. Go take your pictures, go look around, say a prayer, get back on the bus. We got to go 10 minutes to the next thing. Nonstop. Nonstop. And I will say this because of that, uh, Israel uh, is filled with folks who are retired, right? Mo- you know, most of the people are retirees who are going and stuff. And I can tell you this do not wait till you are retired to go to Israel. Hmm. Go now. Everyone should go. And I didn't think that before I went. And now that I went, I'm like, this is so real. It, like, hurts. It, like, hurts. So, you know, like, they say this all the time. Like, after, like, 500 years or 1,000 years, the historical area, like, it's all covered in dirt. Like, you you don't know where it is. You know, it could be five different versions of Jericho buried under here and all Mm -hmm. this stuff. Mm -hmm. When... The, the best time is to go now. Like, we are so privileged to be alive right when we're alive because they have uncovered so much stuff from the first century. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like 25 years ago, we didn't even know existed. Like, they found a fisherman boat from the first century. Wow. And they found about 22 years ago. It's, it's at an Israeli kibbutz in Magdala where yeah. Mary Magdalene was from, which is a very wealthy seaport area. Mm-hmm. And... They found this boat, and this is like kind of where everything starts for us. So we, it starts in we the first place we go is an ancient Roman town that was, um, uh, I think it was Caesarea Tiberius, and so we're there, and it's this Caesarea. It's a beautifully preserved coastal town that Herod the Great built, the guy that killed all the babies in Bethlehem. He built it. And he built it for Roman legions, and you know it's built for Roman legions when it has like an amphitheater, barracks, a hippodrome, which is where they did their horse races. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so fast. So I, I can say this: stepping back from everything that I saw, total, I cared about the churches less than I did about the excavations. This is just me. Mm-hmm. When I walked into a church, I was like, "That's cool," but when I saw the excavations, I was like, "Let me read everything," oh, and awesome. it was. Yeah, it was it was it's like when you go to Nazareth, right? Because in the back of my head, I'm always thinking, well, do they really know this is the spot of the Beatitudes? Do they really know this is where Peter met Jesus on the shore? But when you go to like Nazareth and there's the excavation of Mary's home, and it's the wow. basement chapel of this huge church, mm-hmm. uh, the Church of the Annunciation, it's an ugly ass church. The Italian Franciscans ruined everything in the 30s to 50s. They ruined everything. They are the responsible for shitty architecture and ugly ass drawings. Well, that and fascism. 
Then fascism. Oh, the Italian Franciscans. So the Franciscans have custody of the Holy Land, and they built 10 churches from like 30-something to 40-something. And it was all under this one architect. It ended up he died halfway through, and another architect finished it. But it's all like you see in these churches everything wrong with modern Catholicism. Like oh, the weird, yeah. overblown features, like like absurdly drawn characters that look like somewhere between cartoons you know, they mm-hmm. look like they were drawn by crayon, basically. You know what I'm talking about? That weird Vatican yeah. art that's, that's now popular. It's oh my gosh, yeah, it drives me up a wall. I'm like this is, this is the best that we could do, huh? Yeah, this is it. This is what we decided is the best thing. Why is Pints with Aquinas churning out better uh, desktop wallpapers than the Vatican for the synod on synodality? Um, anyway, so we go through and and some of the churches were gorgeous, you know, and 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 like awe inspiring and beautiful. But this is this is this is Gomer's grand summary. Number one, Sea of Galilee was the first place I cried because it's the Sea of Galilee. Like there's no dirt covering a, by a thousand years or two thousand years yeah. of where the thing really was. This is it. This is the Sea of Galilee, and you can look on where the boat the boat takes you into the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and then they shut off their engines and you just float for like thirty minutes. And Father David was reading a handful of things. And then we had silence, and I look to my left, and there's Magdala, where we saw the, the first century fisher boat and all that stuff. You can look at Magdala, and then from your left hand, if you, if you have it completely left to you, you know, like out your peripheral 180, and you take your right hand, and you extend it outward, you have the whole, you know, almost the entire Matthew, Mark, and Luke right there. <sighs> Wow. Because it's, you know, Capernaum. Wow. Cana's a little bit further away. But, like, this is around the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret. Those are the three names they use. That's this place. Wow. And there are those cities. And there's, like, look at that church with the the orange dome or the orange church over there. That's the Orthodox church. A little bit north of that is the Italian um, Church of the Eight Beatitudes. And I just started Mm -hmm. crying because the Beatitudes are, like, the center of my spirituality. Yeah. And I just started getting choked up, and then Father David read, like, the call of Peter and Andrew, and I go, no, 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 no. Read Luke's, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. That's amazing. That's such a youth thing. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> but that's the deeper story of Peter's conversion, where Jesus sets out on the deep and, you know, lay down your nets for a catch. Master, master we've uh, fished all night. We've got nothing, but yeah. uh, your word all over the nets. That's the bigger story because Matthew and uh, Mark record Jesus sees two fishermen mending their nets and says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they get up immediately, leave their father and come follow him. And it's like, that's impractical. That's an abbreviated story. Luke gives you the fuller one. But, and he reads it and you just like, you feel the weight of the words because you are literally right at the, you're at sea level. Mm-hmm. We see at Galilee was probably a little, little higher, wow. but you're essentially there. Yeah. And I remember just being on that boat and I'm looking around and and I just started crying cuz I was like this is real. This is real. The God of the universe who loved his people Israel decided that he would restore Israel by starting here, by doing his ministry here. And that deeply affected me. Um, and then we, we sail back, you know, it's like a 35 minute voyage and, and all this. So they play like Christian Muzak and you felt like you were in a Chick-fil-A cause they know who their audience is, you know, they're like, and now an instrumental to in the light, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I want to be in the light. 
as you are in the ladder. And so we sail back and we get out of the boat and we're walking back and sing me home, Kevin Max. <laughs> there's all these olive trees everywhere, right? Like everywhere. And you're just like, ah, that's awesome. So then we spent the first three or four days in Galilee. Then we traveled down the Jordan River and we go into Jordan, which is crazy. They, they, um, there's these things called the Abraham Accords that Donald Trump did. So the, 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 the interesting thing about Israel is if you listen to Barack Obama and George W. Bush and um, Bill Clinton and George H.W. Bush, they all say the same thing, all of them, which is the key to peace in the Middle East is through Israel and Palestine, right? Like the conflict, right? But the Israeli ambassador to the U.S., I can't remember his name, but he was Netanyahu's ambassador. He kept saying he was, you know, American raised and went to American universities and all this stuff. He kept telling Trump, he was like, listen, everyone's going to tell you this and they're all wrong. Israel can have peace with all of its Arab neighbors and we can still figure out the Palestinian thing. But don't think the Palestinian thing is the only thing. So for Trump's like first two years, no, Israel, Palestine, because everyone thinks like, like Carter, right? If I get this fixed, then everything comes together, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, so the Abrahamic Accords are with Egypt and with Jordan, and it finally brings peace to those borders. And now Israel and Jordan, or Egypt and Jordan are making bank because all these Christians come into the Holy Land with all their American evangelical and Catholic dollars, right? We're all coming here, and we're spending millions upon millions to Israel. Now Israel's like, yeah, if, uh, you know, time for you, Jordan, to get some of that money. And so now they, they built the King Hussein Bridge. We go across, and Luke, I cannot tell you. It's hard to describe. You've seen Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade. Multiple times. Okay. So the church carved in the side of the mountain. You sent me a picture. That is real. I couldn't believe, yeah. I couldn't believe that when you sent, I was like, oh, thank God. And you're on a camel by there. <laughs> yeah, I did. I wrote, I wrote a camel. I go, this is the most touristy thing an American can do. And I took a bunch of selfies. Wait, wait. Hold on a second. The Pentamental Pass. The Pentamental Pass. As I rode by the place, I yelled at, I must have yelled at 15 times. Um. <laughs> And they sell, they sell like Indiana Jones hats and whips and stuff. It's That's so silly. Awesome. It's so silly. And my camel I would, bit. I would have bought them in a heartbeat. <laughs> the, guy, the guy, Stan, that literally <laughs> enabled me to go on this trip, he, he ended up getting guilted into coming on a camel with me because they roped two together. And the guy's like, come on, man. Come on, man. Come join your friend. Come join your friend. So we did, and we rode a camel for like 15 minutes. It's so stupid. But uh, then afterwards, he's petting the cam- my camel's head, and then my camel just bites his bicep, and he got all infected. It was the worst. Oh, my gosh. Standard uh, gormley uh, Israeli experience. Or yeah, Jordanian experience. Uh, he lost his arm. Anyways. He lost his arm. But you know what? He's better for it. He lost a lot of weight. Um, mostly the arm. Uh, so we <laughs> – I mean, so let me let me. I, I want to describe this, and I I think I got it down to a good thing. So you're walking in a desert climate, and it is freaking hot as hell. And the whole time you're walking down, down, down. You're you're looking at these beautiful mountains. You see caves, and they say, you know, uh, the people up until the like the 1990s lived in these caves, and now the majority, like you see all the black on the side of the rock. Well, that's the fire, the smoke from their fires. Like they live here, and they they tend sheep and all this stuff. And you're like, holy crap. And then they're, they're telling you, and there's these things that look like the, the um, whatever, the thing that the Muslims go around in in Mecca, the, the stone thing, the Kabbalah, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called. Mm-hmm. But um, that, like, this, these people 2,100 years ago, they built these. 
And it was like all over. So you're like walking around. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. We're in the place called Petra. And we're going around. And you're looking. You're still outside. But you're always descending and descending. And it's like, oh, here comes the ravine. And the ravine is known as the Seek. And Seek is Arabic for the way. And you're like, okay, here's the way. And it's like, this was built 2,100 years ago by super rich desert merchants who built, who were basically responsible for the trade from Egypt up into Asia and up into Europa and vice versa and into Arabia and all this stuff. Like frankincense Mm -hmm. comes from Yemen and Oman, modern day countries. So everything passed through Petra. So these people were insanely rich. So we start going and you're in a ravine. And then the ravine becomes cliffs and flood mm-hmm. walls and all this construction. And then you walk down, and now the walls are 100 feet on either side of you. And the cavern, like, you're, you're – I mean, it's open air, right? Like, there's – but you're in these sheer cliffs. And it is the most incredible. It's like 60 degrees. A beautiful breeze is blowing through. And on either side, they discovered after digging 25 feet down like 10 years ago, they found out that the Nabataeans, the people who built this 2,100 years ago, built all these intricate networks of water capturing devices. So the place would freeze during the winter and it's desert during the summer. But when it would freeze, water would go everywhere. And so they captured all the water. And so they had these they had this plumbing where on the left-hand side as you walk down, it's all open so the animals can drink. And on the right-hand side, they built ceramic pipes for humans to protect the water. And they can adjust the end the size of the pipes to make pressure, water pressure speed up or slow down or more or less. And you're going down 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 and it's so incredible. And it's like the easiest thing, it's a limestone path that they carved by hand. All the wow. architecture is like this ancient thing plus like classical Greek architecture that you think of like the temple to Olympus and all this stuff. Yeah. You go down and then it kind of gets the darkest because you're like the mountains are like or the ravine. It's like 350 feet down and it's dark and you they say, okay, just stare forward and keep walking. And you just keep walking and all of a sudden you come into this opening and right in front of you because your eyes have to adjust because you're in, you're not in darkness, but it's like super shaded. All of a sudden, this bright sunlight, and there in front of you is like an 80-foot carved into the rock, one of the most beautiful, exquisite things I've ever seen. And it's right where you see in Indiana Jones' The Last Crusade. That's awesome. That's so freaking cool. I'm so, I'm so jealous you got to go. Like, my heart almost, like, it's the equivalent of when I walked into St. Peter's Basilica for the first time. Like, you, you go in there and you're like, how is, this, how is this even real? How did humans build this? And it just rocks you to your core. And then I took a camel ride, like, as one does. And I go down, you know, it, you, you take the camel ride, it takes you five minutes to go. What walking is like 10 minutes, so it's not that big a deal. But I go down to the Roman Coliseum. All these tombs are everywhere tombs of the ultra rich and wealthy and all this stuff. You go through and you look at this as an amphitheater of the Romans that seats 30,000, which meant 300,000 people live there. Like yeah. craziness. You come back up, and I told everyone, like, I didn't go with the group at this point. I paid to get a golf cart to take me back up to the top, and I spent all this time at the the uh, museum, and I read everything. I've never heard of the Nabataeans, and you find out that they were, like, some of the wealthiest people on the face of the earth. It's just crazy. That's, dude, I'm so, like, that's, I don't know. I think it's, I mean, we have an incarnate faith, right? Like, we believe that, like, the faith is real, and that that means that God is active in humanity, and that is a real, unlived and, and experienced thing, and that's why that stuff is very important, because it makes it incarnate, because it is. And um, that's so. I, I remember having that experience in Rome. To I mean, on a, on a much on a lesser extent, 
I used to I called it Catholic Disney World. It um, everywhere <laughs> you turn was like, oh, okay, there's the pillar where Christ was scourged. There's the manger. There's this. There's that. Mm-hmm. And there is an element of like, okay, is this real? And mm-hmm. then there's other parts where it's just like, it matters, and then it, it doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. really cool when it is. So when you find that stuff has been discovered, or they dig deep and said, hey, this is what it actually would have looked like, or this is where it would have been. That's that's a really power, powerful thing. But then there's this also part where it's just like, it shows you that like what this would have looked like. And it's, it, it almost is not, it's not that it's inconsequential of if it is real or not, but there is this element to it of it did happen. Yeah. And this is an acknowledgement of that. Yeah. You know, and I, and that's a and it's a way to like start to get your mind around because ultimately the faith is not an idea. The faith is a lived reality. Yeah. It's a real thing that like, it's Jesus, a history. Yeah. When he like, I, I, you know, I know that C.S. Lewis talks about this and it's a bit cliche, but I love the part in the gospel when he like, you know, like puts his finger in, in, into the sand or dirt and he just kind of like, oh, and uh, he plays around with it for a bit. I believe it's while they're about to stone that one woman. Yep. And John and 8. It's, it's like, the yeah, woman, it's like, woman caught in adultery. Yeah. It's like, what a detail. Like, just what a random thing that just, that crash was just kind of doing. And it's because like the dirt that Christ touched that he was at. And it's, it's, um, there's something about that that just changes you. And so that's, dude, I'm very happy for you. I'm very happy. I'm sorry that you got the shits, but I'm happy that you went. Yeah, and coming back from Jordan, uh, old Mikey sorry, G got the shits. <laughs> you can cut that out if you want to. No, no, no. I No, it, it, it was epic. And I'll tell you, this is, this is what happened. So we're in Jordan for two days. We stay in this hotel that used to be a town, and they turned. Oh, that looks the, so cool. Yeah, oh, it was, it was amazing. They turned this town. It's a historic town. It's hundreds and hundreds of years old. About like 150 years ago, the people abandoned the town because there wasn't enough water or something. I can't remember the exact story. But then they came back, and they wanted to preserve their culture, but they didn't know how to keep the – like, people don't realize this. Like, you can't just spend money. Like, I remember hearing about the Polish government and the Nazi concentration camps. It's like we want to preserve the memory so we never repeat this, but we can't afford to keep these like the barracks to keep mm-hmm. them around forever, you know? And so mm-hmm. they spend money on like three barracks. So you can tours can come in and see like, oh, here's the horrible, decrepit conditions that humanity made humans suffer through, right? Mm-hmm. But they, but there's literally all the plots are laid out and everything else is in ruins. It's like, yeah, this is where all the other barracks were. But they're put up with cheap wood and cheap stone and cheap mortar, and it's all falling apart now. But I, and I remember being like, oh, they should pay to preserve the whole thing. And it's like, no, it's cost a fortune to keep this alone. And how, how many Nazi concentration camps do you really want to be yeah. practically full functioning? You know. <laughs> um, but Ooh. when you think of the 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 city of Petra which was a city in a ravine. It's just insane. Um, the people that lived there were rich, wealthy merchants, and one of their main things that, that passed through them from Omen and Yemen is frankincense. So mm. frankincense came up through Arabia, through those desert sands, into Jordan, into Petra, and then from Petra went out to Israel and Egypt and Lebanon and Syria and then into Asia Minor, the modern-day Turkey, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, went throughout this area. And, like, these, this is one of the three things that the gospel writers point out was given as a gift to Christ from kings from the east. And it, all this stuff, like, it just is beautiful and it makes sense and it's amazing. 
Um, but then coming from Petra, we finally, you know, we drove down the King's Highway for hours and hours and hours, the desert highway. And you finally get into Israel. You go through all the horrible security, all the tent stuff. Um, you get out, and then we went to Jericho, which is in Palestine. It's in the West Bank, Palestinian-controlled. And it was beautiful. Um, we, we went to a sycamore tree where Jesus saw Zacchaeus. But sycamore trees only have like a 25-year life. So it wasn't mm-hmm. the sycamore tree, they assure us. But it's like, cool, okay, I see what this is. The sycamore trees have huge, thick branches that grow very low to the ground and all this stuff. So we see this, we do some other stuff, we eat some food, awesome. We go back to the hotel, we see Pat O'Mahony. Oh, yeah, that's the craziest part. Some random high school, or uh, high school, household brother from college. But and then I'm like, like this is awesome, this you is guys great. You have to imagine the perfect person to randomly see in Israel. Oh yeah, truly, truly. <laughs> like just the perfectly, just like, oh, hello. And here's the funny thing, when we were in Galilee, this guy goes, we walked by this priest, and when we were at Mass for the um, AP Attitudes, Church of the AP Attitudes, mm-hmm. this priest sees me and goes, Gomer? <laughs> then we're, then we're in, uh, we're in uh, Jericho, or no, we're in Jor- uh, Jerusalem, and then it's like, Gomer? Hey, I'm with so-and-so. I'm Patty. I'm Patty's dad. And Patty was an RA with me and Colby Claire. She was a lamb. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember Patty. Yeah. yeah so her parents were there. And so we start talking and all this stuff. And then we're eating dinner, and then there in comes Pat O'Mahony. So it was so funny. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go upstairs. I gotta go, uh, I'm going to go lay down. I'm going Because you go to bed at like 8. Like no one, no one is raging, right? Yeah. Like we all met before dinner. We would meet in like the hotel bar, which is the benefit of being in Israel and not in the Muslim control places because all the Muslim control places, there are no bars and mm-hmm. there's no alcohol. But in the Israeli places, you're like, yay, alcohol. Thank you. Um. But you go there before dinner, you eat dinner, and then everyone goes to bed because your day start. even though your day starts at 7 or 8 or 9, you're so exhausted because you're just walking everywhere. You're doing all this. Mm. You're constantly traveling, going all this stuff. So no one really hung out after dinner, right? So after dinner, I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm going to go crash. I'm feeling pretty tired. And in the middle of the night, I just run to the bathroom. First freaking night in Jerusalem, and oh, I run man. to the bathroom. Man. And then every 30 minutes, I'm in the bathroom. Now, this is the funny thing. Uh, uh, Halfway through the day, so I have to tell everyone, like, I'm not coming. I'm not healthy enough to come at all. And a handful of other people weren't either, so I wasn't alone. But I was alone because I didn't talk to anyone. I didn't have any water. You, I remember like you had texted me. You're like, "Don't get dehydrated." So I, I Google as soon as you said that. I, so I Googled, "Is Israeli is Jerusalem water safe to drink out of the tap?" And it said, "Though it might have a pungent aroma, it is safe to drink out of the tap for Americans." And I would just fill up my hands and I would just drink <laughs> out of my hands. And I was I, like, "Drink water, Gomer. We haven't bought that insurance yet." <laughs> <laughs> and it was awful for two and a half days. Ugh. I was so destroyed by the sickness you sounded terrible when we, when we spoke on the phone you sounded so bad yeah and if i moved i would get queasy right so oh, i'm gosh. laying down for two days uh halfway through the second day i get up and i'm coming out of the bathroom i go and i sit in a chair and i just i put me you know those horrible hotel chairs that are like uncomfortable yeah. i just sit there and i don't move for an hour and a half and i'm like this isn't healthy i need to move but Ugh. if I move, I'll get hungry. <laughs> so I go back to bed and I play a 
one of our Patreon supporters recommended the Hyperion sci-fi series. And so I'm playing the audiobook, and I literally start having a fever dream because I'm dehydrated of the audiobook. Like I'm in and out of sleep, and I'm like living it. And I'm like, oh, no, the strike is coming after me. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like I'm awake in my apartment and, or in my hotel room, and I think I'm in the sci-fi book. It was bizarre. Then I finally oh, I turned my great. phone off. I t- put everything away, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then I get a text. Hey, we're coming back for dinner. We're going to come early. Can you meet us down at the bar? Um, we bought you like a Gatorade and some stuff. So I come down, and I'm like meeting people. I'm like, okay, okay. I feel stable. I feel good. The next morning, 530 in the morning, we go to the Holy Sepulcher. First, we do the live stations of the cross in Jerusalem. You get there at 530 a.m. If you get there at 7, it's too late. All the Arabs, because it's in the Arab quarter where the real stations of the cross where they think it happened. In the Arab quarter, um, all the shops open up in old Jerusalem, and you're just jammed. It's just jammed. So at six or at five thirty, you know, you have an hour and a half. So we do the stage of the cross. Takes us about twenty minutes. Then we end at the Holy Sepulcher. And Luke, this place is insane. Wow. It's not as big and gaudy and beautiful for the Greek Orthodox. It's a lot better because they own more of the space in the Holy Sepulcher. It's Greeks, the Roman Catholics, and the Armenians. It's called the status quo. Everything's divided up. Everyone shares everything. We had mass, so I went in and I put my hand on the two rocks where they think Christ's cross was held up on. Oh, wow. And then right next to that, Father David celebrated Mass. Wow. And you have 35 minutes to celebrate Mass, and you got to get out of there. Father David, of course, took 40. (laughs) No. 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 Oh, baby. No. 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 Yeah. And then we go, and I touch my I have a prayer book of the St. Gregory prayer book, and I touch it to the altar over the rocks where you put your hand in to touch the stones. On the altar of where we celebrated mass, and then I go down, and you wait in line to crawl into Greek Orthodox must love tiny doors because all of their parts are tiny doors, and you crawl into where Christ was laid. It's all in one area where he was crucified Gosh. is upstairs, then where his body was laid in the tomb is downstairs. So it's nothing like what it used to look like in Jerusalem, right? It's all one church building. And then you crawl, you go into a small room, and then you go into a smaller room. You have to crawl on your hands and knees. And there's an altar, and you put your hand on the stone, and that slab is where they believe Christ's body rose from the dead. Wow. Oh, wow. And you have 10 seconds in there. Is it pretty, is it claustrophobic? Uh, I mean, it is if you're a claustrophobic person, but it's not because you're only in there for 10 seconds and you have an out. So I went in there. Father David was like two people in front of me. There were two people who I don't think was a part of our group and then me. And I just went in and I took my book and I touched my prayer book to it and I put my hand on it and I just said a Hail Mary. And so you're just in there by yourself? I'm in there with four other people. Father oh, sorry, David, okay, these okay. two other people, and me. But that's pretty amazing to be in. Like, do you remember we talked about before that, that, one, was that, that one episode about uh, when I was in Rome? We were at the Vatican and it was just us with like a couple people out in Vatican Square and just how it was like crazy to be in like one of the most important like parts of the planet just kind of by yourself yeah that's like that's universe like one of the most important places in the history of the universe and it's just you and four of the people just kind of chilling for a bit that's really cool yeah it's really cool so uh wait can i ask you a question real quick yeah did you invite an audience member that's what i was just looking at i did not how do i get who's the audience person 
I don't think there is anyone. That's so funny. It says one you, in the audience. I know. Who's the third person? How do you see that? It's kind of creepy. <laughs> uh, who are you, person? Yeah. Either way, welcome to the show. Yeah. No. What um, an audience. Who's puts, audience. Put something in the chat, please. <laughs> it's just a little weird. <laughs> um, but just over rate what you just said, Luke. So the next, so I go back, and it's now eight thirty in the morning. So we just did the Holy Sepulcher at eight, uh, yeah. from five thirty to eight thirty. And I go, and the bus. We're we're about a mile and a half from Old Jerusalem, less than that. And I just said, I can't. I really want to, guys, but I can't. So you go back, you eat breakfast, and then I was like, and then at ten we were setting out again, and I was like, I can't. My bo- I'm just done. And so I fell back asleep for another like five hours and all the stuff. And then the next, I meet everyone for dinner, and you know, I'm just eating like. Bread, toast, you know, yeah. all the things. Hummus? No, I was having like bananas, bread, you know, the brat yeah, diet. Yeah, no, yeah, and I was just kidding because you're on it. But all, I, I mean, let me tell you, the food there was the most amazing food in the face oh, of the earth. sounds so good. So I go there and I tell the guys, listen, guys, I can't do this. I can't. I, I want to go with you all in the morning. And they went to Bethany where Lazarus was raised, Mary mm-hmm. and uh, Martha were. Mm-hmm. And then they went to the Dead Sea to go float. And I said, I can't, I can't. So I go back and I'm in bed and I'm like so pissed and I'm so sad. Yeah, I, I, I was so bummed for you. I remember just being like, oh. The thing that was weird is my family, I was eight hours ahead of everyone. So if I woke up at five in the morning, I could talk to my family before they went to bed. Yeah. But then when I woke up in the morning, uh, you know, they're all still asleep. And so I'm like sitting here and I'm, I'm struggling with all of this stuff. And I had bought when we did the uh, Holy Sepulcher uh, Sepulcher tour. When I came out of it, I, we came out right near a bodega, and I was like, "All your Gatorade Plus is given to me." And I bought like eight or nine of them. Oh man! And uh, I go home, and I'm sitting there, or go back to the hotel. So next morning, they're all gone. They've been gone for four or five hours, and I just said, "You know what? I missed everything. I missed the imprisonment of Jesus, the Praetorium of Pilate. Like I miss all of that." I miss Gethsemane. I miss all this stuff. And at one point, we had come back from the Holy... The, we had done this thing where you went to this uh, Ave, Mar- Ave Maria Hotel where it used to be Catholic pilgrims went 100 years ago. And it's this beautiful hotel. The Vatican offices in Israel are there. But it overlooks all of Jerusalem. And they were pointing out like all the places that they went to that I wasn't a part of. And, I was like, and we had like a wine and cheese thing. It was like awesome, 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 awesome. So when everyone's gone, I was like, screw this. It was noon, and I was like, I can't eat anything, but I can drink these Gatorades, and I can go for a walk. So I put my earbuds in. I told Google Maps. I was like, I just picked a church area on Google Maps, and I just went. And it took me through the air part, and it was Shabbat. It was Sabbath day. So all the And we were in an ultra-Orthodox neighborhood. So all of those people were, like, in their houses. Like, I didn't see an ultra-Orthodox person that whole day. And so that meant all the traffic was gone from them. And I'm walking through an Arab neighborhood that's not a touristy part. It's in New Jerusalem. And it was awesome, Luke. It was so cool to see all these people doing their daily life. You know, like you go across the world, but you only have all the comforts of home. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm like, this is them. This is how they live every single day. This is awesome. And so I spent about about an hour walking through an Arab part of town. And a lot of them are Arab Christians. Like everyone thinks, oh, Arab is Palestinian. They're all Muslim. They're not. And so I'm walking through a lot of these places and they're, everyone is so nice. And so 
like happy and um, they're all like you know they're doing life you know they're they have all the like it's a normal urban setting right yeah all these shops and all these people walking around and talking and all this stuff and all these people honking their horns and yelling at everyone and I'm walking down and I'm just going and I'm trying to find this random place that I saw and I come out in front of this church this beautiful church beautiful gold facade I'm taking pictures of it I look at it and the guy goes. Random dude comes up to me and goes, you want to go in? You go to the side. You go to the side entrance. Front entrance closed. And, I was like, and I'm like, okay. He goes, do you want to go in? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just taking a picture. And he goes, if you want to go in, you go to the side. Stop this. Go to the side. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I walk around. I go through the side. Luke, I have walked down old Jerusalem, the mountain that is Mount Zion of Jerusalem. And I have gone into the Kidron Valley. And I have walked up the Mount of Olives. And I didn't even know it. And I was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hmm. The side of the church is the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed. And they have dated the trees. The trees, all of trees, you can keep them alive forever. Yeah. And they're 2,000 years old. So it's like, and I didn't even know. I was like walking around because I'm not with a group, right? And I look at the wall and it's like, this is the garden where Jesus prayed. And I was like, this is Gethsemane. And I turn around and I look over the wall and I see all of old Jerusalem. And I was like, I'm a fucking idiot. Like, I've been walking along this wall this whole time. There's this wall that I'm just, and it's just a road to me, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I'm going yeah, down yeah. a road. Okay, it's like a slight hill. The hill, the mountain of Jerusalem is really a hill. I'm going down this hill. I'm like, it doesn't feel like I'm going down a mountain and up another mountain. And I turn around, and there's all of old Jerusalem. And then I, I end up going in, and I just sit down. I'm like, you know what? Garden of Gethsemane. This is not for anyone else. This is for my wife. And I go up to the very front, and I sit down in the front pew, and I just start praying for my wife because – That's cool. Well, we're coming up – yesterday was the anniversary of our first miscarriage with Hope. Hmm. Hope, Benedict, and Perpetua. And Shannon had been having a lot of problems. A lot of – by problems, I mean like dealing with the depression that kind of sneaks back and the grief that hits you when you're not ready. Sure. And I go into this church, and I'm so pissed off at the touristy nature of everything. And I walk in. I go to the front pew. There's a dude praying. And I'm like, this guy's praying. I'm going to sit as far away from him as possible, but in the same pew because he cares about actually the holy sacrifice of the mass and the garden of Gethsemane. He is praying. And for the first time in my entire tour of Jerusalem, of Israel, every single person after I sat down to pray that came into that church and took their photos and did all the things, I did all that stuff too. But they all came in. They were either Orthodox, Eastern Catholic, or Roman Catholic. They came in, and they signed themselves, T-Rex arm first or second, and they prayed. And they sat down in the pews, and they prayed. Most of the time, you see, like, Martha, get out the iPad and take a photo. Yeah. Right? But here, no one did that. When I first walked in, there was a couple touristy German people, and they were annoying. And the guy shooed them away. It was funny. The caretaker shooed them away. But it was a beautiful church. It was one of the 10 Franciscan churches, but it was actually a really – it was the best of their their churches. And I just sat down, and I prayed for 45 minutes, which I've never been able to do. Oh, that's cool. And I didn't even make this connection until after I came home. But all of my miscarried children that we have the remains of, so Hope and uh, um, Perpetua. Mm-hmm. Hope and Perpetua are buried here in Houston at the major Catholic cemetery mm-hmm. called Mount Olivet. 
And I didn't even think of that. I didn't even realize that. I didn't even know that. And at the time, I'm just praying for my wife, for hope and for healing and for everything. And it was the most spiritual moment I had in all of Israel. Hmm. I was alone with my Gatorade bottles and my backpack. <laughs> and I, I just took my time and I prayed. And then I hiked up the side of the hill. I took a bunch of pictures of all these Jewish tombs that face yeah. Jerusalem. It's, very, it's, it's, it's weird that it's all like brown, light brown, blah. But it's cool that all these Jews from all over the world are burying themselves facing Jerusalem. And you get to the top of this mountain, and there's a small little Franciscan church called Dominus Flavit. And it says underneath the, high, underneath the altar, it says, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, uh, how I long to gather you under my wings, like, or how I long to gather you like a mother hen gathers her, her brood under her wings, but you would not let me. And I look over the altar, and there's a huge window that shows you all of old Jerusalem. And over the window, instead of stained glass, they have metalwork. And there's the Eucharist, the chalice. So there's a Roman Catholic church, right? So there's the chalice and the Eucharist. You know how you have that kind of mm -hmm. like, well, the Eucharist is almost like a sunrise kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I held my camera up and took a video and took a picture. And I realized that right where the body is and the blood of Christ in that image is where the temple mount is in Jerusalem. So it's like Jesus says, this is, here's the temple, but the real temple is my body. And now this little church that you have to hike the steepest hill in Israel is this perfect image of the Eucharist. And I like lost it all over again and just sat there in silence and prayed and then hiked back home and four hours had gone by and everyone came back and it was, that was the end. There was no more Jerusalem for me. We got at 1 o'clock in the morning. We woke up, got on our bus, drove to the Tel Aviv airport. Yeah. And then I tried not to poop my brains out on the four-hour flight to Frankfurt and the 12-hour flight to, uh, to uh, the United States. So Amazed that you didn't have any problems with that coming back. I literally a Christmas sat still miracle. for 12 hours, put my hands on my knees. And I'm like, I'm not moving. If I move, I poop. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Jesus, take the colon. Oh, dude, I'm so happy for you. I'm, I truly, I'm glad that was a powerful experience uh, for you. So, yeah, I mean that. I think Luke that we should do a catching foxes pilgrimage to Israel, but we only I was hit the clubs. That. We only hit the clubs. <laughs> I know. I was like, I can tell you, we're definitely gonna be. We'll be very spaced out for going out. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, how uh, it was election season. Every year for the last, I think it was four years, you know how like all these other governments, because we have two parties and we always bewail and bemoan the fact that it's like, I'm not as Republican as the Republicans or as Democrat as the Democrats. I'm Catholic. Ah. <laughs> but in all these other countries, they have coalitions. Anyways, let's make this all great again. Yeah. But they have these coalitions, right? Well, mm -hmm. the coalitions fall apart. When I was in Canada, I flew up. It was crazy. I flew up to Canada six years ago, four, no, four years ago. And they're like, yeah, we're in the middle of elections. Our coalition government fell apart. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then when I was in Israel, their coalition government fell apart, and they were having elections, and they said within the first month, 43 parties registered for election, for national elections. 43. <sighs> so they formed these coalitions, and Benjamin Netanyahu just won again. He won, he was the prime minister for the last however many years. But what? He's I been won? At, Me? Yeah, he's been it nine times. And so he's back. 
<laughs> Benjamin, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. BB is back, man. BB is back. Oh, dude. Yeah, no, that actually, I've actually thought it'd be fun to do a Catching Foxes, a Catching Foxes pilgrimage. You just go to Austria, hang out for a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. It'd be great. Yeah. Did you know Scott Hanna is coming to Prince of Peace Catholic Church on December 10th? You want to come? <laughs> no, I'm good. Oh, damn it. It's going to be so <laughs> awesome. Look at, I'm back and I brought Luke. <laughs> I gave a talk recently at a church in the middle of a downtown. Like, what's your downtown church in Cincinnati? Uh, there are a couple, but I'd say probably the big one downtown is uh, St. Xavier. Okay, so St. Xavier and then Old St. Mary's maybe? Yeah, that, and then you have the cathedral. What's the church that draws the young adults? Uh, old, I would actually say uh, St. Xavier probably gets more. Okay. Uh, but Old St. Mary's is where you get a lot of more of your family's kind of like rat trad young adults. Okay. So I went to that church for okay. Houston on Friday. And, or on Thursday, and I had to give a talk. It's called Annunciation. It's right across from Minute Maid Ballpark. I don't know if you know this, but we're World Series champions hey, without cheating. Without um, cheating. Yeah. Way to yeah. go. Sure Hashtag without cheating. <laughs> what, what, what was that one thing that, uh, that I said to you that was so funny? The guy on, on the news. And they were like, what do you have to say to anyone who's who, like, uh, oh, yeah, like you. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> Y'all. <laughs> so I go to, I go to a, a Annunciation. I had to give a talk called, I'm not, Modern Mistakes, I'm not spiritual. Well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And so that was the topic that I had to give on. And I thought all of these young adults would be there from all these, you know, like the gentrified, very expensive townhouses and apartment complexes and all this stuff now it's just the parishioners who are like the ultra catholics and they're like how do i talk to my niece who's um it says to me i'm not religious but I'm and that's spiritual. what like honestly that's what like a lot of um a lot of those talks i found or like a lot of those things end up being that it's mm-hmm. you're not and people act like i mean I don't, I don't care i think everyone everyone is very well intended and trying to do good things so God bless them. Like when I went to the thing out on transgenderism out in the archdiocese of of Philadelphia, I think a lot of people were there. Um, I think they may have thought that we were just trying to find out like how do we how do we talk about this? But I think half the people there were just like I don't even know what to think about this, right? <clears throat> and that's that's really where it's at. It's real. It's just about trying to wrap your mind around it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey everyone. Luke we're is back. effing back. Everything's great. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. There's nothing burning. Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. This is fine. It is. And now let me tell you, the most wonderful, I'm going to tell you, three, one person, three names, the most important person alive right now. You ready for this? After Dr. Jennifer Frey. You ready for mm-hmm. this? Yep. Claire, and now you're going to think I'm making this name up. I'm not making this name up. Claire Hughes. Hughes. Johnson, not huge, Hughes. Hughes. Nice. You type her name in, and you type in running staff meetings. Greatest talk you've ever heard ever in in, in all time. This woman, I, I, this is the most important woman in my life right now, next to Shannon, and oh, even over Kateri and Cecilia. And they can hear me because my studio is right next to their wall, their bedroom. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Cool. I will check that out. Changing my life, man. Special thanks to our sponsor, Catholic Store, Catholic Dot Store, and Catholic, uh, yeah, and Patreon.com. 
thank you to all the friends at the Catholic dot store. Uh, good people over there really, actually really do like uh, what they're doing. Uh, thank you to everyone for supporting us on Patreon. We'd love to have you be a part of of uh, of. Uh, we, we would love to have you be a more active part of what we are doing here with Catching Foxes over at patreon.com slash cf. So this has been a big part of your life. Join us. I bought two t-shirts, Luke, and one coffee mug from our merch store, which we have a wonderful merch store. You can find it at catchingfoxes.fm. Click merch. Catchingfoxes.fm. Click merch. Uh, I clicked it. I bought a t-shirt, two t-shirts, and a coffee mug. I love them. They're very well done. Nice. The black is a little see-through, but I'm okay with that because I'm risque. It's but true. He- here's what I found out, Luke. You know when I got my shipment? This is kind of funny. I got my shipment on December 1st. And then on, you told me on December 1st that from December 2nd to the 4th, they were releasing a 15% off. And I was like, I just spent so much money on shipping. But they're worth it. The designs are beautiful. Who's the artist that designed it for us? Uh, I need to get her name. Give me a second. Rachel Rebecca? No, it, it it's, it's Rachel, but I want to get her last name right. Yeah. It um, is Rachel Morlock, and she's awesome. Morlock. She does a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful job. Yeah. Cool. I like it. All right, Luke, anything else? No, this is fun. It's good to be back. I'm feeling like my old self. I'm glad you're back. Old Lukey.